Well, thanks for listening to the Rebuilt Rebuilt podcast. Throughout this year, we've been uh, doing something differently. We're doing spiritual conversations with people in our parish here at Nativity and how the Rebuilt model has impacted them. And so this month, we're going to be talking to Kelly Caddick. Kelly serves on our staff as the director of communications, uh, but she came into the church a definite, um, you know, Timonium Tim, not a Tim, but uh, a definitely unchurched person who had not been to church in a long time and was reintroduced to church through our parish nativity. So you're going to hear some of those kind of kind of hallmark stories of um, of just someone being away from the church and then coming back and how the rebuilt model and what we do between music and message and ministry uh, and ministers and that hospitality we create really drew her back in learn about the importance of kids ministry in your parish and just a great story some great spiritual nuggets from kelly too so um thanks for listening to this month and now here is my interview with kelly caddick well kelly thanks for uh doing this being on the podcast here the Rebuilt Podcast. The My Rebuilt, pleasure. <laughs> the Rebuilt, Rebuilt Podcast. So I uh, just begin telling, talk about where you grew up, where you're from, your family, that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, just everything. <laughs> so I grew up in the Midwest in Minnesota. Um, I just got back from a trip there. And so if, if I sound a little more Minnesotan right now than before, <laughs> that's just... why I pick it up very quickly when I get back there. So I grew up in the northern part of the state, which is the northern part, <laughs> which is right on the border of Canada. And uh, I always enjoy telling you guys about my travels when I go home because you take a plane from Baltimore to Minneapolis and then you drive seven hours north from Minneapolis to get to my parents' front door. So I grew up in a little town called Warroad, six miles away from the Canadian border. Grew up on a very, very big lake. It's called Lake of the Woods. It actually is was recently a question on Jeopardy about <laughs> what is the only uh, lake in the entire country that uh, crosses the border between the U.S. and Canada, and that's the lake where I grew up, Lake of the Woods. Okay. So it's 90 miles across, and when you're in the middle of it, you feel like you're in the ocean. And so uh, I grew up on that lake. My parents' home was on that lake. So I really grew up in a beautiful part of the country, uh, but it's a small town. Uh, you know, there are just as many churches as there are bars in my hometown, <laughs> and there's uh, not a whole lot else. Uh, there's yeah, your first time at McDonald's or any fast food. Right, was a- right. It was when I was in sixth grade, and it was in Winnipeg, Manitoba. The uh, the closest McDonald's to us out that was in this country. Uh, it was probably about an hour and a half, and the closest mall to where I grew up was about two and a half hours. So uh, it was a very remote childhood. So what was your relationship with God as a kid? So what you said there was more, as many bars as churches or churches yeah. as bars, which I'm not sure what that means. But it just... oh, it's it's probably small town humor okay. that you know you're in a small town when the number of bars is equal to the number of churches or ah. the number of bars maybe sometimes outnumbers the number of churches. Well, okay, well that's a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> Today it is. Today yeah, it is. Yeah. So my relationship with God uh, was very much a uh, a learned relationship. I, I was a cradle Catholic. Uh, my parents were both devout. Uh, and from my earliest memory, we were in church every Sunday. I was in Sunday school and we were in church. 
Yeah. So, okay. So you went to church. Uh, you played the organ, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> I did. So I, I grew up in this church. It was St. Mary's Catholic Church, uh, still there today, but in a different building. And I started playing the piano when I was in second grade. And from that point forward, I played until I was a senior in high school. And it, you know, it's a small town, it's a small church. If you have any type of of musical ability, good, bad, or otherwise, you know, they were always looking for people to come in there. And so we had the full-on organ that had the multiple rows and it had the foot pedals and it had everything on it. And I could play like one foot pedal at a time and a chord with my left hand and, you know, the melody with my right hand. But that qualified me to be an organist at church. Okay. So, so I would help out. When did you do that? What year? I did that... When I was in high school, so I would say, you know, maybe when I was so- a sophomore to a senior kind okay. of thing. So like on a scale of one to five, you were, what would you give yourself as, a, as an organ musician? Is five good or bad? Five's good. One's terrible. Ooh. One's- I, I was good with what I did, but what I did was so simple, really anybody could do it. So I'm going to give myself like a two and a half. Okay. All right. Uh, what was your conception of God growing up, would you say? You know, went to church, but what would you... Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I was just telling the story to a friend of mine. I grew up next to a family, a very big Catholic family. And uh, the mom, uh, very, very Catholic, very devout. Uh, you know, she, I, I, lot about, I learned a lot about my faith from her, actually. And, you know, she was the type of mom that uh, my mom worked. She was a stay-at-home mom. And so on Good Friday, as an example, I would go over to their house and I would spend the day at their house. And she had a, a very strict routine that, you know, at noon we got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then from noon until three, we all had to be in a room by ourselves quietly reading or reading the Bible because it was Good Friday and that was a day to be quiet and, you know, be reflective. And so I would say that you know, growing up, my relationship with God was one of fear. I I really was more concerned about what might happen to me if I wasn't good uh, versus knowing, you know, a loving God who cared for me. And I was also one of those cradle Catholics that went to bed every night with that picture of the angel, the guardian angel oh, yeah. on top of the two kids who are walking across the bridge yep. in the middle of a storm. And yeah. so I was always like, if I'm good, God will protect me. My guardian angels will protect me. And so I kind of grew up with a little bit of fear. Okay. But you had to be good in order to But you had to be good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so it's, I'm not sure that this part of your story, because I, mean, I was going to, my next is going to get to nativity when you came here, but yeah. there was a time before that, then you kind of just stopped going to church. Oh or... gosh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, again, growing up as a cradle Catholic, I went to church every Sunday. It didn't matter how I felt or how tired I was, my parents got me up and out of bed and I was at church. And so when I graduated and I got to college, I was out. Okay. I, that was it. There wasn't like, okay. That was it. And, and I, I, freedom. I tell this story to this day that I added up the number of Sundays that I had gone to church from the time that I could remember until that moment of my life. And I said, I get to take that many Sundays off. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, what? Why? How come for you? 
you know, it's interesting for me because I went to college. Mm-hmm. My first most important thing was I have to go to church this Sunday. Like it was wow. really important to me. And, and and this is your story, not mine. So I, yeah. won't, I, won't, no, I don't know why got it a, is. You've got a better heart than me. Well, I don't know if it's that. <laughs> well, I don't, and I don't know. It's no, yeah. But, yeah. but it's just more the psychology or your thinking of when you went away or feeling or just like, I, is this something to escape or what mm-hmm. was the... What, what what was just your yeah your thinking like I, this isn't really a help to me or it had nothing for me okay it had nothing for me I the music was tired the the singing was bad at your church at home well at I mean, my church little... at my church uh, yes you know it wasn't the greatest but it ne- it never got any better in other churches that I went to. Because you went to a Catholic college, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't start out at a Catholic college. Okay. I started out at a Lutheran college, actually. Okay. And so I was kind of a fish out of water. I didn't think there was such a big difference. I was very naive. Right. Uh, but quickly found out there, there, you know, there yeah. were significant differences. Right. So, but you didn't even go check out another church. You just said, no, no, I'm done. Yeah. no, I was done. I just wanted to sleep in on Sundays. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I felt like nothing for me. So it wasn't even a consideration or, or it was actually a, a very con- clear consideration. I'm, I'm not going to go do this. Right. And I still went to Easter. I still went to Christmas Eve, you know, with my parents when I was home, that kind of thing. But like on a weekly basis, I was not drawn to it. I had no desire to be there. Do you think you prayed? Did you pray during that time or just stop praying too? I think I always, I never stopped praying. I, I continued to pray, but it was more of a, it wasn't with purpose. It was more of an ongoing dialogue. And of course, you know, in moments of trial and challenge, you right. know, I would lean into it, but it, it wasn't a daily habit of any kind. Okay. Um, so then, you know, how'd you get to, how'd you get to Baltimore? How'd you get to Nativity? Yeah. I guess there's two big, huge, there's a huge part of your life there before you got to Nativity. But Right, right. Well, so work brought me to Baltimore and I always find it, um, you know, such a interesting part of my story when I look back because where I grew up to where I went to college at the University of St. Catherine, that's where I graduated from, that alone is seven hours apart. And then I, I mean, growing up in Warroad, I always was unsettled. I always knew there was something more. I wanted to be doing something more. I didn't want to be in a small town. I wanted to get out. And so I thought I had achieved that by moving to the Twin Cities area, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I started working for a company there. And I was very driven by business. I was very driven by, uh, you know, moving up that corporate ladder. And I recognized that one of the ways I needed to do that was to go out into the field and work in the field so I could take that experience, then go back to corporate and, you know, continue to move up the ladder. And so I decided to make the jump and came over to Baltimore because this was the largest field area at the time. And when I got here, uh, it was hard. Oh my goodness, it was so hard to be here. I mean, you, I thought I felt like I was a fish out of water before when I was just going to a Lutheran college. Um, you know, going from the Midwest to Baltimore was a culture shock for me. Uh, I. I really, it was a very lonely part of my life being out here. I only knew a couple of people. Uh, I wasn't from here. And in Baltimore culture, that's a very big deal. 
you know, when people ask me, so where did you go to school? In the Midwest, that meant where did you go to college? Everywhere else it means where did you go to college? It, thank you. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Baltimore. Except for Baltimore. <laughs> In Baltimore, that means where did you go to high school? And as soon as I told people, oh, I didn't go to high school around here, I'm not joking. They quit talking to me. Wow. And that was such an interesting phenomena that I had to wrap my head around because just nowhere else was like that. Mm-hmm. So work brought me out here. And then I... Um, you know, there was a guy that I had known at work already. And so when I came out, he and I just started talking more. I didn't have anything else to do, but he was a very interesting guy too. Right. And so uh, long story short, we got married and I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, you yeah, just have a nobody to hang out with. That's, that was, that's tough. Uh, I mean, it was, and, and you'll appreciate this. Uh, it was so mind-numbingly quiet sometimes in my little rented apartment that I would go to the mall just to be around other people. Right. Like, yeah. I just needed that kind of distraction and that energy. <laughs> yeah. You kind of see people in COVID, why that, that that's a lot of people, yeah. you know, and a lot of uh, psychological health issues and things like that coming out of this. Mm-hmm. So how did you get introduced to Nativity? Right. So I, uh, my husband and I uh, had a baby in 2007 and up until that point we had been talking about prioritizing faith in our life and I never had a desire to go to any other type of church any other denomination I I found comfort in the Catholic faith because the one thing as I got older especially too it didn't matter where I went to a Catholic church I knew what to expect and or so I thought thought. (laughs) (laughs) yep and I, so I, I only looked at Catholic churches and we started um, church shopping. No, just before this, so this is Aaron, your son right, comes along right, and right. then you start going, you had not been to church really at all since then. Still Christmas and Easter. Christmas and Easter, that was it. And the only reason why it got, um, that priority really came to the top was because of Aaron and because I knew I wanted my son to have a faith background growing up, and I wanted him to experience the sacraments like I did. That was important to me. That was important to my husband, Bob. And so he was baptized in a Catholic church, but that's not the church where we go. Yeah. Why well, do you think that was important to you, though? I mean, like, you, you decide, I don't want to do this anymore, but I decide for my kid. Because, I mean, that's common, I think, mm-hmm. or, or it is. I don't know how much more common it's going to keep being. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about that driving in today, <laughs> a little bit concerned about that, but at least for our generation, that's still, a, it seems like that was a pattern. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that did, why did it matter when you per- decidedly said this isn't for me and doesn't offer anything for me? Right. I think it was a sense of belonging. It was, a, it was, I wanted to, because my husband's family is very, very, very small and none of my family is here. They're all out in the Midwest. And so our community uh, was very limited. And I knew that being part of a faith community would at least make connections with other people. And, but two, you know, when I, as an adult now looking back on my childhood and my faith experience, I, I remember my first communion. I remember my confirmation. I remember how that, that, um, it did have a grounding effect. I may have been away for, hmm. you know, quite a while, but it had a grounding effect that ultimately pulled me back to it. And so I needed to do that for my son. And my parents, too, were like, 
you know, you need to get him baptized and you okay. need to do so all that. So there was some pressure. So there was a little bit of pressure, but no, I wouldn't even call it pressure. There was just encouragement okay. from them because it was something that I wanted to do. It, it didn't feel like pressure. Okay. Uh, all right. So talk about coming here to Nativity. Right. <laughs> so as I said, I had been church shopping. And I had gone to a few different uh, places and, and nothing was really clicking with me. And I was really kind of bummed. I, I, I wanted to be at a Catholic church and I couldn't find one. So a friend of mine. So what, and just, what was it? Just being dull, being boring? Dull. Just... It, was, it was the same experience I had had 30 years ago. Okay. And, and I didn't want that experience. That was the experience that actually caused me to say, I don't need this. And so when I started going around, I was finding the same experience and, and, it was just really the bummer. And so a friend of mine mentioned nativity and she said, this is probably a friend at life touch where you worked. No, no, this was actually, so my, my husband's oldest son played baseball and this was one of the moms on the baseball team. Okay. And she was from the area and she said, you know, you should go check out this church nativity. And so I, I thought about it and I remember I looked it up online and I was intrigued by the website. It looked a little bit different. And this was what year? This was so this been. was like, this was like 2007, 2008. Okay. So um, if anybody who's listening has been around with us for that time, that's when we had Clover for our website. It was like <laughs> a plug and play kind of thing. Um, but nonetheless, I found it interesting. And so one weekend, my mom and dad were visiting. And so my mom, dad, and I came to Saturday church at five o'clock. You decided to try it out when your parents were in town too. Okay. Yeah. I thought, you know, oh, mom and dad will be happy. You know, <laughs> we're, we're all going to church. See, I know the way, where this goes. It's, anyway. a, it's a brand new church and I'm so excited. And so we walk in and the, <laughs> the first thing that we see this is an old sanctuary. And so the first thing we see is that there's a huge circa 1962 screen, movie screen, pulled down in front of the crucifix. And it has rather a picture of the crucifix projected onto it. This might have been even earlier then. Really? Yeah, because we we got we had screens on the Well, maybe not. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. It's hard to remember all these days. It's hard to yeah. remember, I know. But it was like that for a while, yeah. And um, right, right. So there weren't screens on the side of the, the walls. Which we eventually yet. put up, which I thought we had. But anyway, go ahead. So at any rate, that was my first experience and my father's first experience walking into this church. And we sat down and he said, is this a Catholic church? Right. And I said, it is. And we went through, and I don't remember a whole lot about the mass other than that. But I remember walking out and my dad was like, you need to keep looking. he did not approve right so i didn't come back for a while now did you have that same experience or it's just your dad colored everything no it was i was shocked okay when i walked in it's not the comfort i was looking for kind of definitely not yeah definitely not there were um as i can recall at least i don't think there were any you know missalettes in the pew Mm, i I didn't i didn't have anything to like stare at while i was bored you know what i mean and I don't even remember that there there wasn't any um, songbooks or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, because everything would have been on the screen. Yeah. Right. And so um, so I was I was very uncomfortable as I walked in. And then hearing my dad say what he did just kind of solidified it. Right. And, I, and I really shut the door on Nativity for a little period of time and still couldn't find a church. My son had been baptized at another church and... 
uh, this same friend said, and you're right, Tom, it may, it, it, there must have been a, a period of time in here that I just can't remember because I know sh the same friend said, you should go back to Nativity. They've made changes, you know, just give it another try. Right, right. So by this time, my son is, you know, um, full toddler mode and, and he's walking and, and doing all that stuff. And I was really apprehensive about, I was a new mom and I had just lived my entire life in church with people bringing their small kids, having them sit in the pew, feeding them goldfish, feeding them Cheerios, right. you know, giving them coloring books and all of that. And I just did not want to do that. And I also knew how it felt to go sit in a cry room and, and I didn't want to be separated like that. So the, the, I had all of these anxieties about bringing my kid to church. Hmm. And then another friend mentioned nativity. So right now I'm only hearing about nativity because people are telling me about it. Right. Like I'm not finding it on Google. I'm not, you know, um, looking through the old fashioned phone book or anything like that. And so somebody so imp importance of word of mouth, right? Right. You know, right. So it's so important. Other people are promoting your parish for it you. It is. Yeah. That is the most important thing. And so I heard from somebody that nativity had a nursery that you could check your kid into. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? So I went back to the website and I saw that there was this nursery called Kid Zone that you could check your kid into. And I thought, oh, okay. So, and and for our listeners, Kid Zone was a check-in program for the youngest of our kids. And that was back in the day when uh, we had pagers. Yep. And so you could take your kid there, check him in, you got a pager, and then you could go to mass. And so the very first day, first weekend rather, that Bob and I decided we were going to give it a go, we did a drive-by on Saturday night. It's the second time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so this is the second time we're coming. We're going to come as a family. My parents are not involved. And so we decided to drive by on Saturday night just so we know where. <laughs> just so much you and Bob are type A people. Oh, so, yeah. gosh, <laughs> definitely. And so we want to make sure we know where it is and how to get there and, you know, <laughs> what it looks like. Because um, me and I would ever be the exact thought. We just thought just show up. We'll you would show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we drive through the parking lot and there are parking ministers out on the parking lot. And Bob and I are a little discombobulated because there, there are lots of people and there are people directing traffic and we're like, what is happening? And we, all we want to do is literally drive through. Right. And so we're trying to drive through the parking lot and the parking guys keep trying to park us. <laughs> right. And we're like, no, 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 no. We're, we're just driving through. And they're like, come on, come on, you, you know, come in. And we're like, no, we'll be back tomorrow. We promise, you know, we're, and, and so I was like, what was that? I, I was totally perplexed. So the next morning, we got up, we got dressed in our Sunday finest, got Aaron all looking pretty. And then we came here, we parked, we walked in the door and immediately I was like, oh, we're overdressed. <laughs> we didn't need to do that. And at the time, our adult discipleship director, Maria, she came just, it was almost like in my memory, she came kind of floating up to us and she said, hi. I don't think I've ever met you. <laughs> and I thought, do I look that out of place? And so I, um, you know, introduced ourselves and the family and she helped us find kid zone. 
and we went and checked Aaron into Kid Zone. Uh, that's probably where I met you for the first time. You were in Kid Zone back at that time, uh, too. Yes, I was. So yeah. that was a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, got my pager, and Bob and I went and sat down in church. And from that moment forward, every Sunday, I felt like Father Michael was talking to me directly. And I was overcome with emotion every Sunday. I, I am definitely not a crier, but man, I remember tearing up probably for three months every Sunday. And what, what was the cause of that or what was the... He was... Father Michael has the ability in his message, in his homily, to relate it to what is happening in life right now. And it was the first time I had ever sat in church listening to a message where I felt like somebody was pouring into me rather than preaching to me. Hmm. And it felt so different. It felt so welcoming. It felt so much like the Holy Spirit was coming through him to reach me. Yeah. That, was there any specific series or topic that oh. came up? Gosh, I, I can't remember. It's well, been so long now. It's just very interesting because I think this is something I've learned over doing these podcasts with Ian, who I did the first one, because mm-hmm. he's talked about a message and he came in and same kind of idea, experience. I'm like, well, what was the topic? He's like, I don't remember. And it's like <laughs> that <laughs> for people listening or as a communicator, how you're making people feel is as mm-hmm. important as what you're saying. And I, as a content person, I'm like, that somewhat drives me crazy because I'm always want like the best point, a new yeah. insight that's hopefully sticking with people yeah but again what you remember is not i wasn't being preached to how did you say it i wasn't being preached i to. was being i wasn't being preached to i was being poured into poor that's great that's good and that'll preach that'll preach exactly <laughs> i wasn't being preached to i was exactly. being poured into that's great you, you can use that quote i will i will i'll steal it and make it my own <laughs> but because of that we were drawn back week after week. I wanted to hear more. Bob wanted to hear more. And it wasn't a, um, you know, I felt condemned when I walked in. Nobody wanted to talk to me. I didn't feel welcome. It was the complete opposite. And it was, we felt very welcomed. We did not feel made to um, believe that we were out of place in any way, shape or form. Uh, Aaron had a great time at Kid Zone. Uh, You know, I I got so used to it. And as we continued to move forward, each weekend, there was never a debate. There was never a, well, I don't like it or I don't want to go. And as a matter of fact, probably a few months into our experience here at Nativity, it was a weekend. And I, I, because I remember kind of being Father's Day weekend, possibly. And I remember saying to Bob, well, I know it's Father's Day and, you know, wanted to sleep in and, you know, we'll skip church and, 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 and Aaron heard me say that. And he said, I want to go to church. And I thought, what kid says that? (laughs) Those are words that literally never came out of my mouth. And then my husband, Bob said, well, if you want to stay home, that's fine. I'm going to go. And I was like, Okay, I'm the only one in this household. I'm the I'm the cradle Catholic. I'm right. the only one in this household who's saying no. I don't want to go. And so, their, uh, you know, desire to go, I went with. And and so it's never been. I honestly, truly can tell you this without a doubt. Each weekend at Nativity, it's never a conversation. Are we or aren't we going to go? It's just we're going. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Um. So. 
And that was, again, so kind of the, that journey's been over now. Oh, my gosh. 12 um, years Aaron's, so. Yeah, Aaron's 14, so 12, 13 years. Yeah, 12, 13 years. Yeah. And then, um, so then you came on staff here, and, and we could, we could mm-hmm. go, go into that. But kind of this is more, again, about your spiritual journey and then and, mm-hmm. and, and more. So and you make, this question makes you laugh, but I like to ask this question. If on a scale of... Negative 10 to positive 10. Negative 10 is a Satanist. And po- oh, that's what makes you laugh. So positive 10 is, you know, Mother Teresa, your favorite Christian saint. Where were when you in your relationship with God when you came to Nativity? Mm. When I came to Nativity, I would probably put myself at a two or three. Okay. Two or three. Where positive. Positive. Okay. Well, that's fine. No, I mean, two or two or three. Either way, it doesn't matter. The whole point, I think. And then, where would you put yourself now on that scale, or what? Do you, what's your kind of? I. I would. Some days I would give myself a high eight. Uh, some days I would probably give myself a a low six. But I, I've definitely grown. I have definitely, definitely grown in my faith, and that's both because of my personal experience as a worshiper at nativity but also as because of my being on staff and what that has allowed me to do and see yeah i think that on the scale that's that's good that's helpful because on the scale i just think that's the idea we sometimes we think we have to take people you know most deeply devoted follower of christ we're all in process and mm-hmm. as long as we understand what you know or you know it's, it's a question we're not going to ask yourself every day am i negative 10 or positive 10 with, with god but mm-hmm. um that's our job, I think, as, as church leaders, is to be taking people on the path, the journey. We don't, and wherever people are, and then bringing them mm-hmm. along. Um, maybe switching topics a little bit, or just kind of going more to again your spiritual journey. I mean, what what do you find attractive about Jesus? I mean, I know that's a different question from mm-hmm. where we've been, but what or what have you learned about Jesus while being part of this parish? I think one of the things that I've definitely learned, and I continue to learn because I still can't fully grasp and understand it, is just the gift of grace. And, you know, I grew up, I grew up thinking the way you get to heaven is you have to learn all these prayers and you have to go to all the holy days of obligation and you go to church every Sunday. That it was a checklist that you literally had to punch a list. And as long as you punched all those things and you were a relatively good person, you're good to go. And so what I've learned since being at Nativity personally in my relationship with Jesus is that it's not about a checklist. It's about my heart and who owns my heart and who mm. lives in my heart. That's good. And so it's something, and you know, the other thing, Tom, too, that um, I know you've experienced, everybody's experienced it who's on staff here, is that people think that because you work at a church, you must be like holier than thou and and you must know the Bible front to back. Well, you do the, you do know the Bible, front to back, but <laughs> I, I don't. And um, that you're that you're somehow this like saint in progress. And and I laugh to myself because sometimes I feel bad about that. Like you know, after all of this time, I'm still the rookie when it comes to some of the theology of the Bible. But all that to say, it it none of that impacts my ability to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, hopefully we're all saints in progress, but I got what you're saying, right. Yeah, but you're, yeah. that you're going to be canonized as saint, that kind of thing. Right, 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 right. Like I'm right. They're not going to be talking about me for a thousand years from now. <laughs> At least I, nothing that I see in my future tells me that. However, it's just that, you know, opening myself up to experiencing this community again and listening to the message that Father Michael helped me understand that, um, you know, grace is given 
is just given to everybody. You don't earn it. Right. You can't check off that list to get it. And that every day I get the opportunity to receive that grace brand new. Hmm. And it doesn't matter how screwed up I did the day before or, you know, what my thoughts or what my heart felt like the day before. Every day I get to start new. And that relationship with Jesus, it almost seems it's very hard to comprehend to me because I am such a perfectionist and like I don't forget anything. And so I'm like, how does Jesus like start with me every day and go, okay, yeah, I know everything that you did and I know everything that you thought and I know every feeling in your heart. But, you know, good morning, Kelly, you get to start again. Right. And, you know, and it's so, I'm so humbled by that. And, and at the same time, so relieved that mm. we follow a God who is so forgiving and whose grace never ends. And that it doesn't matter what my journey looks like. It's my journey. And he's okay with that. As long as I feel like as long as my North star is him and moving toward him, you know, that's, that's the best I can do. That's great stuff. That's really good stuff. Uh, <laughs> is there any story of the gospel that's, you know, you said about grace, and mm -hmm. is there any story from Jesus, you know, the gospels, or anything that sticks with you that captures that for you, or just well, I'll, verses? I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll reference what I just said. I'm a Bible rookie, um, but so right now in this period of life, Aaron, my son, is an eighth grader, and uh, he'll be graduating from middle school in a couple months. And over the last year and a half, there's um, a verse from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 19, that we've been talking about over and over again, which is, you know, for I know the plans I have for you. And because he's had personal challenges and, you know, as a family, we've had personal challenges and it would be very easy to fall into the rut of why does this keep happening or why are we being asked to deal with this or what did I do to bring this on? And that verse has been an anchor for all of us that, you know, God has plans for us to prosper and to do good and to have good things happen for us with his love and grace. And so we've got that plastered all over our house and you know, in especially over the last year with COVID and, um, you know, with all the other personal things going on, that has just been an anchor that we've all held on to. And it's given me a lot of, of comfort. And, you know, it's become like my little mantra that I recite to myself that, you know, in that tough moment, you know, God is trying to bring good through it. So is that is that something you're learning right now then? Is that mm -hmm. a, a key lesson of God's got great plans yeah. despite what's going on, whatever's going on in the world. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's crazy, Tom, that a girl who grew up six miles away from the Canadian border, you know, literally like 1500 miles from here, that God took me on a journey to be here in this moment. And, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, no matter where you are right now, that's where you're supposed to be. That's, that's God knew you were going to be there. And he's placed me here through a variety of challenges and circumstances, some really not good, but I'm here. And so, you know, that verse helps me remember that as long as I'm, and I, and I don't know how to say this a better way, because I think it, it, for me personally, it gets really corny when people say, you know, give it to God, lift it up to God. You know, that, to me, that's too passive. But, you know, in my mind, in my prayer, when I really lean into it and go, you know, 
I don't know what you're trying to do, but I'm going to trust you that you're leading me where I'm supposed to be. And I can say it with that tone in my mind, you know, and, and I don't have to be fearful or anything like that. Um, it helps me. It helps all of us through these challenges and through the last year. And um, I've actually found myself in moments going, you know, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. God's got it. Well, you know, I, I think about that when people say what you're saying of like, get, let it go, let, let God and let go, and, you know, that kind of stuff. You're right. It does feel like a very passive, but giving something is a very active thing, mm-hmm. right? And you talk, you know, if I give you, you know, a check, if I give you a gift, right? Mm-hmm. There's some active part that takes place. It's not passive. It's active completely. Mm-hmm. And I think we often put that in passive words, but... Again, think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he had to give his will to God. That was not easy. Mm-hmm. That was battling. That was fighting. That, that wasn't a surrender like, oh, I just give up God, Father, and yeah. let them do whatever the heck they want to me. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. he had to give it. So I think I, I agree with you because I think probably people, especially like you, driven, and probably a lot of people out there who, yeah, I don't know about God because it just seems like I'm giving up or I'm not really working. Right, because... Because I was just going to say one thing. Because I love what... See, that's why I love what Dallas World says about grace because you were talking about grace earlier. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Mm-hmm. And there's still the effort and the work. But I do think that's a big block for a lot of people in the relationship with God. It definitely is because those other uh, actions that you were just talking about, about giving something to someone, there's a physical exchange, right? You're giving somebody a check, you're physically handing it to them, or you're emailing it to them, or you're giving a gift, or you're, and so in that context of, well, give it up to God, you know, I think it's very easy to go, well, I'm, I'm, what am I giving? And to whom am I giving it to? It's not like a human being standing in front of me. And so do you have to, um, create that in a physical way you know like you know we do things like write it on a piece of paper and burn it or you know things like right. that that might be an exercise i mean i will say i've gotten to a point now where mentally emotionally spiritually i can feel myself letting it go and giving it to god because what was happening before is i would do that but i would keep thinking about it and i would keep you know, worrying about it. And, and that's not giving it to God. Right. That's, that's keeping it in my human head. And now I have the ability after years of practice to, to cut it off to, and when it comes back into my head, you know, Craig Rochelle said this, that when these anxieties and worries come back into your head, that's not God showing you the things that's the evil one showing you these things. And it's because the evil one is afraid of what it means for you to really give that up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I got that into my head now so that when these things pop back in, I don't sit there and think about them. Instead, I go, why is the evil one showing me this? It's because he's intimidated by my future. Hmm. And so then I just flip the switch because I'm not going to give that kind of power to him. I'm very competitive, as you know. That's a good, that's cool, yeah. So I'm not going to do that. And then I turn the other way and go, you've got it, God, and I'm done with it. (laughs) That's that's good. Um, Any any songs that have hit you while in your time here? You know, we talk talk about the music, the message, the ministers here. You Mm -hmm. kind of talked on that about the weekend experience, that Mm -hmm. the the hospitality you experienced in the parking lot, and Maria coming up to you, and the the messages of Father White, even if there was. Right. Not anything specific, but how it made you feel. Right. Uh, any any um, songs in your time here that have 
just just struck your heart or, or talked to you or oh gosh it's so many so many i i love the way our music just elevates our worship experience and and especially being a catholic who was never exposed to anything like that uh that was brand new for me and it felt very uncatholic which i i you know people tell us that all the time and i get it i can completely empathize with it um there was shoot because you, you don't think of yourself as a musician even though you played piano no. on that because you haven't really played anymore no 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 i quit being a musician the day i quit playing you know i <laughs> like, i i have a musical inclination and but like i couldn't sit down at the piano and start you know right. doing anything um i would say there there was a song by matt marr back in 2015 um shoot i don't remember the name of it god i need you i I think i think that was it i think that was it because um it was a year that we were doing a conference and i remember being up at like 5 a.m driving over here for the conference and i was cranking that in my car just trying to get through the day uh but all of the songs have always been so beautiful and so well done around nativity i would say i guess what's the one that's really resonating with me right now is the blessing Hmm. And uh, that was a new song for me. And when I heard our group sing it for the first time, I think I was actually on the altar because um, I was getting ready to do endnotes. And listening to Megan and Simon singing that, just as a parent, listening to the lyrics, yeah. it was like so overwhelmingly beautiful and powerful. Yeah. And And realizing that, you know, a thousand years ago, relatives who I never knew mm. were sowing seeds that I get to experience now and, and that now I'm doing the same thing for a thousand years in front of me of, you know, offspring and, and descendants whom I'll never meet in yeah. this life. Yeah, that was, that was great. So I, I, it's a little confession here. I don't know if it's a confession. <laughs> one of the, I, it's, it's funny, a couple of these songs that we play, like I, I've heard them for the first time here and um, the first time I heard the song, I'm like, I don't know what I think about this song. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this song. <laughs> And there was one weekend where I went out and I was, I don't, I just went out the back of church cause mm-hmm. I wasn't doing end notes. You kind of know how mm-hmm. that you have different experience and I wasn't getting ready to do that. So I had could just listen and I'm like, just raising my hands. I'm like, God, praying this over Timonium and North Baltimore yep. County and over the world, like let our, let our blessing, yep. uh, God's blessing be upon everyone. So, well, and that's another thing when it comes to music, uh, you know, the whole idea of raising your hands in worship. Okay, I'm six feet tall. So if if I'm putting my hands up, I'm blocking people. I am too. I know you are, but it's a different thing. <laughs> you know, when you're standing next to Kristen Devan, who's all of five feet tall, and she throws her hands up, it's like she, you know, Kristen could do that. She's, She's not, not like impacting anybody, anybody yeah. but I'm blocking people. So when we were at North Point down in Atlanta for uh, the Drive Conference, uh, that was really my first worship experience that. And I remember Mia talking about this one time, how there are moments that she said she just can't keep her hands down. Mm-hmm. She just, she's, she has to fight it to not throw right, them right, up. Right. And it was in that experience that I felt that for the first time. And I was like, I can't keep my hands by my side. Right. They need to go up. And right. it was um, when death was death arrested. Death was arrested. Yeah. It was that song. And it was, the, it was the lighting. It was the way they were singing it. It was the way... We were praying it right. and to see, you know, thousands of people in this area just all leaning into it. I, yeah. I mean, it was just like, 
if this is what heaven is like, you know, this is just a taste. I mean, it was phenomenal. It yeah. was so moving. And uh, so, you know, songs like that have really had an impact on me. And I just get so thrilled when we get to bring those to Timonium, even though I know that initially they might make some people uncomfortable, but it's like, just hold on, you know, we're we're not going to take you anywhere you don't want to go. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing of of what continue to try to do is like some, like even your first time experience coming back, you weren't really comfortable necessarily. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a tension to manage between trying to get people outside their comfort zone, but not so far outside that they can connect Mm -hmm. with God, but stretching them to pray, to worship. And I do think that's where we, as Catholic churches, we have that ability. Like we still have the mass that's still enough familiar for people that have mm-hmm. grown up Catholic, but then push people like with some of these other other things. Well, there's one thing, and especially for any listener who's uh, who attends another church outside of Nativity, I just read. I emailed this to you guys very late last night. A new Gallup poll that came out about the future of the church, and the bottom line in this uh, summary was that the message is what brought people back. Okay. Above anything else, the message is what people remembered and what had the greatest opportunity to bring people back to church next Sunday. And so in my story, had we come and experienced all that stuff, but Father Michael's message was just another, you know, run-of-the-mill here's what God wants you to know. And if you don't do it, you're going to have all these things happen to you. If it was, if it felt like that to me, Hmm. I would not have come back. Okay. But it didn't. And I wanted more. And I had never had a priest preach to me in that way before. Pour into you. Pour into you. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Preach to you or not at you. That's another way to put it too. I know, no. But uh, no, yeah. Pour into you. You know, preach to you, not at you, I think is another thing. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I had, and we're going to wrap it up in a second. I have a couple more questions, but you know, I, that is different. Someone once said, I didn't come to church to be preached at. And I remember we laughed at that. I remember when we got that note, mm-hmm. but it's stuck in my head. I'm like, yeah, people aren't coming to be preached at, Mm-mm. preached to or poured into. I think that's a great way not to, not to be preached at, but poured into. Yeah. So. Cause we're preached at every day. <laughs> yeah, I right. mean, from our kids to our spouse, the to world, the world yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, we, we get enough of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a little bit too. I love Andy Stanley style. It's like I, I, in Isaiah's, there's a, a kind of a verse where God says, and it kind of actually th- repeats over and over again. Isaiah, like come, let us reason together. Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just helping you think this through. And mm-hmm. I think that's what mm-hmm. we're trying to do as well. Like, we're not trying to tell you what to do. We're, I mean, we are going to give you action steps. We're going to give you application. But only after we've kind of got to the point like, well, this is really what you want to be doing anyway. So, Right. Um, two, two last questions. One is anyone who's been a model or mentor for you when it comes to faith here that, that she, that's been a help? I mean, Father Michael, obviously, in the preaching, but anyone else like kind of in a, in a personal relationship? or? Oh, yeah, definitely my father. Um, it didn't matter what was happening he always um again was anchored to his faith and uh he was very active in our little parish in northern minnesota and you know i just have watched for my entire life both he and my mom uh, but my dad especially every morning got up pulled out his bible pulled out his daily devotional had his prayers you know, um, did all of that and would spend time with God first thing in the morning before he started doing anything else. And, you know, there were times that I questioned my faith and, 
And I would go right up to him and say, you know, why does the church do this? And why do they believe that? And he just listened and, you know, um, pushed back on me when it was right. And other times when it wasn't, you know, he just listened. And so he was always very open to, you know, you don't have to just agree because I'm telling you to, but, you know, I'm going to model for you what faith can look like. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would definitely say my dad. Okay. And what, uh, any thoughts on how God wants to use you in your future or what's your, what do you think oh, man. where God is challenging or pushing you to go or any, any thoughts on <laughs> where you are going from here in your faith walk? So I, I know I still have so much room to grow and, and we, we, we grow most quickly when we're in, you know, moments of challenge and, um, so I, I mean, I think, I don't want to say I'm constantly in a moment of challenge cause that sounds really pathetic, but I, I don't know, Tom, I think it's each and every week there's a new challenge put in front of me. And I'd say each and every day there are new challenges put in front of me that I get the opportunity to either lean into with God as a resource or to try to do it on my own. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I've learned. I think there was a, excuse me, there was a worship fully that you wrote a number of years ago. I think it was before I was even on staff and I actually printed it out and I cut it out and I put it on a bulletin board at home and it said, you need to remember you are not God. God puts you here to do works on his behalf. Everything is not up to you. Mm -hmm. And, um, as a control freak, as a recovering (laughs) control freak, um, you know, each day, I have to tell myself that over and over again, that it's not all about what I do or don't do, mm-hmm. that I do have to take action, but it's by God's grace that I'll go in one direction or another. And so each day, just something recently that I've started to do when I wake up in the morning and I'm literally still laying in bed, I say to God, all right, what are we doing today? What are you trying to do with me today? What do you need me to do today? And that's where I leave it. Cool. And just try to open up my eyes and then go forward. Well, that is awesome. That's great. Well, thanks, Kelly. It was <laughs> great to, uh, to do this with you. And uh, um, yeah, Spirituality 101, there is a God and it is not you. So yep. there you go. <laughs> we need to learn that every single day. Yep. All right. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome.